Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Focus Weekly Discipleship Podcast. My name is Kevin Rognes, and I am the Discipleship Director here at Faith Covenant Church. I'm just really grateful that you would take any time to be with us today, so thank you for joining us, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on any of the major podcasting platforms. Uh, we would love it if you would give a review to let people know, hey, this is worth listening to. So if you have a moment to do that, we would really appreciate that. We also encourage you to make sure that you subscribe to make sure that you are not missing any of the content that we put out on a weekly basis. I am going to mention that we are going to be taking a little break over um, a couple of weeks of Christmas, so um, you'll get one or two more of these episodes, and then we'll uh, be radio silent for a couple of weeks over the holidays, and then we'll be returning in January. So um, today, what I want to do is talk about Christmas a little bit. Um, obviously, now we've entered the Advent season here in December of 2023, and so I just want to talk a, a little bit about Christmas. Well, what about Christmas? Because there's always a lot of things going on uh, during this time of year. And I want to talk today about some of the misconceptions that we have about the biblical story. Now, it's not that these misconceptions are intended um, or are things that we understand because we're really bad at reading scripture or anything. It's not that. Um, but there's just some interesting things that are misconceptions, I guess I would just say. So the first is, what's the actual day that Jesus was born? Obviously, we celebrate uh, December 25th as Christmas. But was that actually the day that Jesus was born? Is that actually Jesus' birthday? Long story short, we don't actually know. <laughs> Uh, we don't know. The Bible obviously doesn't say it was this specific date and this specific month. Um, so a lot of the reason that scholars think that we celebrate um, December 25th is that particular day is because um, there's the possibility that there was a Roman pagan holiday that happened on that day. And as Christianity got bigger within the, or within the Roman Empire... Some Christians perhaps said, hey, instead of celebrating this pagan holiday, maybe let's use December 25th as the day to celebrate the incarnation of Jesus. And so maybe that may be one of the reasons why December 25th is now the day that we celebrate as Christmas, the day of Jesus' birth. Other scholars think that it may have to do with the date actually of Jesus' crucifixion. And that happening in March, they have reasons to say that maybe the, if the crucifixion was in March, then it makes sense for reasons that I don't fully know that the actual date of Christmas is something like December 25th. Like I said, we don't really know. <laughs> so all of that to say, does it really matter what day we celebrate Christmas? Not necessarily we don't know if we have the right date, but that's okay. We don't necessarily need to know. If we needed to know the exact date, I'm sure that God would have made that very clear to us. Um, so it doesn't necessarily matter that we may or may not separate, celebrate it on the correct day, uh, but that's okay. The next thing I want to talk about is in the biblical story, it says there's a line in scripture um, that says that there was no room in the inn. 
this is happening in Luke's version of the birth of Jesus. So there's no room at the inn. Um, that's an interesting translation of what the Greek actually said. So the Greek word that is often translated as inn really means more simply a place to stay. Now, if we think about Bethlehem back at the time of Jesus' birth, Bethlehem was probably a really, really small village that probably wasn't big enough to justify having an inn or having some sort of hotel. Um, so it's kind of actually unlikely that Jesus or that Mary and Joseph were like turned away from all of these like hotels or the inn. Um, that's because it probably didn't exist. What the Bible actually says is there just wasn't very much place or many rooms to stay in. At the time, what was more likely, um, historically speaking, is that families, when they would have traveled to different cities like Bethlehem or different villages like Bethlehem, most likely they would have stayed with family members. And so the reason that Mary and Joseph were going to Bethlehem in the first place was that they had to travel to their hometowns for the census that had been declared for them. And so likely there's a lot of other people that are also coming to Bethlehem at this time. And so the usual places that they are staying with, with family or with friends, um, it's all full. So the biblical imagery is probably more realistically saying Bethlehem was kind of at capacity. It was full. There weren't a lot of places for them to stay. They weren't able to stay in the traditional guest accommodations that you would normally see. So that's a kind of a different story than um, I know like some of the Christmas movies that I saw as a kid had innkeepers like rejecting them and saying, no, you can't stay with us. That's not a biblical image that we're given. So it's more likely that Bethlehem was just really full and there wasn't a lot of extra space. Another thing that uh, is possible is that um, there maybe was a space for them, um, maybe limited, but there may have been some prejudice against Mary and Joseph because Mary um, was an unwed mother. So even though she was still engaged to be with Joseph, they hadn't married, or she had gotten uh, pregnant outside of wedlock, granted by the Holy Spirit. Um, and so there may have been some prejudice against them staying with other people. We don't know that. That's just a scholarly guess of what is possible. So, again, what the Bible is really essentially just saying is that all the normal places that they would stay were kind of full. So that leads into the next misconception that we'll talk about, and that is the idea that Jesus was born in a stable or born in a barn. Those words are not actually used in the original scriptural accounts. Words of stable or barn are not used. The reason that we talk about a stable or a barn is that the word that is used is describing putting Jesus as a baby into a manger. A manger is essentially a sort of box or trough that um, you would have placed like hay into for animals to eat out of. So people have kind of assumed that because Jesus is put in this manger that 
well, okay, we would put a manger or a trough with food in a barn or in a stable. So we've just kind of projected our own understandings of where we feed animals and how we feed animals and projected that onto that setting of that time period. What we know of that time period is that in reality, a manger could very well have been on the first floor of a home and all the sleeping quarters were on the second floor. And so Mary and Joseph may have been uh, staying in someone's home, but just not in the usual like sleeping bedroom type spaces. And so with that, Mary would have been giving birth not necessarily in a stable or a barn type uh, facility or building, but maybe just in the lower level of someone's home where, and at that time, they often had animals being kept in those lower levels to keep them safe and to keep them warm at night. That's why the manger would have been in there. So when they're looking around after having given birth and Mary is tired, the manger's right there. It has soft hay. Let's put Jesus in the manger. There's also some speculation that um, this may have been more like a cave space. So around Bethlehem at that time, there were a lot of caves um, near the homes. And so oftentimes animals would have been kept safe in these caves because there's obviously only one entrance that needs to be protected and it's easier to keep warm and keep safe. So it may have been the case that Jesus was born or initially housed in some sort of like cave-like room um, that would have been used to keep animals safe. So again, we don't really know what the circumstances were, um, but the words that are, um, the words like stable and barn just aren't used in scripture. So that can be kind of interesting. The next piece is that um, the story of the three wise men um, that come to Jesus and bear gifts for Jesus. Um, this is a biblically rooted story, but there are some things that we may not understand fully or accurately. For example, the very number three. The Bible never says that three wise men came. The Bible only says that multiple wise men came. And so it could have been two, it could have been ten, it could have been a hundred. We don't really know. Probably wasn't 100, but um, the Bible simply does not say three wise men were present. So then why are we saying three wise men for all these songs and traditions? Well, there are three gifts that are given. There's the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh. So as the story got told over years, the tradition became that each gift was given by a separate wise man. In fact, the three wise men in some traditions have names. Um, so those names are um, Gaspar, or sometimes said as Caspar, so Caspar, Gaspar, uh, Melchior, and Balthazar. So we don't know if those are the real names of the real wise men. We don't know where they're from. There are some guesses that they were from India, Persia, and I think Syria is kind of the theory for if there were three of where they were from. But the Bible doesn't actually give us an account of exactly how many they were. <laughs> we just know what gifts were brought. And we also don't know how much of each gift was brought. So um, that's just something that's kind of interesting for, how, for us to better understand about that. Likewise, 
um, it is said that the wise men followed a star. And so sometimes when we're telling the Bible story and talking about how these wise men visited Jesus, it sometimes talks about how a great star was overhead the manger and overhead the stable or the barn that night that Jesus was born. Again, that's not quite what Scripture says. Scripture talks about how um, a star led these wise men, also known as the Magi, to Jerusalem, and from Jerusalem then to Bethlehem. So the star was never necessarily right above the manger on the night that Jesus was born. We do have the account of the angels being in the sky um, visiting the shepherds at night outside of Bethlehem, um, but it's not said that there was a star over the manger the night that Jesus was born. Along those same lines, um, the Magi are often kind of presented as like showing up right when Jesus is born the same night, and that we often tell that as part of the story on Christmas Eve. However, we don't know when exactly they visited Jesus. It's possible that they visited Jesus more um, later on, like as he was a toddler. Basically, we know that from the Bible that the wise men visited Jesus sometime between birth and the age of two years old. So there is a two-year range in which Jesus would have been visited by the Magi. It may, and probably more likely, was not the actual night that he was born. So those are a, kind of the biggest misconceptions that we have around the scriptural accounts of the birth of Christ around Christmas Eve and all of that. So what do we do with this? What does it mean that we have these misconceptions? Well, first of all, I want to say that these misconceptions have not necessarily developed out of a desire to mislead people. Oftentimes, these misconceptions kind of emerge from the fact that we are trying to tell the story of the birth of Christ in a condensed way. And so when you read scripture, there's not necessarily a lot of detail. Um, so when we go straight from the birth to the story of the wise men, it seems because they're right next to each other in the text, it seems that maybe they happen at the same time. What we don't always realize in scripture is that sometimes a greater amount of time has passed than we initially realize. So that's part of it. Sometimes these tradition pieces um, come into play too. So um, with the wise men, for example, um, it may be that because there were just three gifts given, it may be that art that depicted stories of the birth of Christ and the visit of the Magi, the art may have depicted three different individuals bearing three individual gifts. And because for much of history, um, most people weren't literate, they were probably understanding these stories through art, through paintings, through sculpture, through stained glass windows in cathedrals. And so if they're seeing depictions of three individuals bringing three separate gifts to Jesus, that would help us understand why people started to say, oh, there were three wise men. Again, it's not something that developed maliciously. It's just something that developed through tradition and possibly through art. Another thing to realize is that, um, again, like I said, we're sometimes condensing stories and sometimes we're simplifying them for kids. 
So I know the Christmas story very well, I think, because I've been hearing it since I was a very small child. And so sometimes when we're telling these stories to kids, we give them simplified versions like, oh yeah, if Jesus was laid in a manger, he was probably just kind of born in like a stable or a barn. Kind of an easier way to talk about it with kids instead of trying to explain to them, you know, back in the day in Bethlehem, here's how houses were structured, and we know this because of archaeological evidence and blah, 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 blah. That gets to be a lot, right? And so we don't always um, tell the whole story or we simplify certain parts of it to tell kids. A final piece that I'd like to mention is just translation from the original languages. Like I was saying earlier, the word that is often translated in our Bibles in English today for in is really in Greek a word that means a place to stay. That's a little murkier, and so sometimes we've assumed a place to say, oh, that's like a hotel or an inn. What it actually probably meant in the biblical context is like an extra guest room in a person's home. So some of these things that we understand are really translational decisions from the original language. So that's just something to keep in mind as well. With all these misconceptions, it's like, okay, so if that's kind of where they came from, what do we do about it? Well, one important thing to keep in mind is that none of these misconceptions change much about the theology that we have. It doesn't necessarily change our understanding of who God is or who Jesus is. So there's no, <coughs> excuse me, there's no harm being meant, and there's theologically nothing being skewed incorrectly. None of this is being really used to oppress people. Um, it's not telling us inaccurate things about who God is and what God did in coming to the world as Jesus Christ, as a person, as a human person. Um, so that's important to understand too. I also want to say that there's some opportunity in this, in saying that hey, when I'm going to tell the Christmas story this year with my family or talk about it with my friends, there's an opportunity to say, hey, you know what? I was reading the Bible, and it doesn't actually say that it was three wise men. Isn't that interesting? And that becomes an invitation for us as readers of Scripture to read Scripture more closely. There's probably a lot of things like this where we have um, misconceptions about what the Bible says, and we can really read it for ourselves and say, hey, wait, that thing that I thought I knew about Scripture, actually it's just a little bit different. And that can be an interesting conversation starter with family or with friends. This isn't something that we have to go around correcting people or changing everything we talk about um, regarding Christmas. Rather, it's just an opportunity for us to go deeper into Scripture. That's always something we want to be doing and always something we want to be encouraging. Let's go deeper into Scripture, and let's share what we understand about it. That's an important thing to do. That's what we're called to do as the church, as followers, as disciples of Jesus Christ. So, with all that said, I hope that you are maybe a little bit more curious to read the Bible for yourself and to read about the Christmas story for yourself. And maybe this is a conversation to have with your families Maybe it's not. Maybe you save this for another year when the kids are a little bit older. It's totally up to you. 
I just hope that this was interesting for you. I'm always curious to kind of strip back the layers of Christmas because there are so many things that we've added on to it, so many different traditions, and they're not all bad traditions, and they're not bad things necessarily. But sometimes it's really worthwhile to just strip it all back and say, okay, what is in the Christmas story? That's my encouragement to you this year as you go through Advent. Really focus on what's in the Bible and what does it really say about these things. I want to thank you for spending some time with us today, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on any of the major podcasting platforms. If you have any questions or concerns, things you want to dialogue about, I would love that. Um, So please send me an email. My email address is listed in the episode description down below. So thank you so much for taking some time to be with us today. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed week and a blessed Advent.